0: Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. Francis has said recently that our love of the traditional faith, a love for the faith that our ancestors would have recognized as merely a whim of the moment, but not merely a whim of the moment, but a dangerous whim, a highly destructive one that could result in the end of literally everything. His statement is hyperbolic, but I'm going to start off by balancing it with a short quote from Cardinal Serra and his book, God or Nothing, where he says, quote, Subjectivism is one of the most significant traits of our time. Feelings and personal desires are the only norm. Often modern man regards traditional values as archaeological artifacts. End quote. He may as well have been talking about Francis there, though he rather obviously wasn't, because Cardinal Serra is a Francis loyalist, which is really weird, all things considered. But let's talk today about Francis' hyperbolic statement and what it is that he truly is afraid of. But first, I wanted to thank the patrons of this channel for their continued support, especially in these increasingly weird times. It really does enable the work of this channel to continue and to grow. If you want to join the supporters of this channel, you can do so through Patreon or Subscribestar for as little as a dollar a month, or through the old-fashioned mail or Subscribestar for a single one-time donation. It really does help this channel keep going. And please support the other content creators you like as well. Supporters of this channel get early access to weekend videos, plus access to a patron only Discord server that I am frequently in, plus the occasional exclusive video or podcast episode. Thanks for the support, and back to the news. Francis the Great and Merciful may have lost it. And I mean that in the most loving way possible. And I, I really do mean that. I want the best for him to take that fire for the secular things and the projects of Caesar. And to have those become, to transform it into a fire for Christ and for him to become a saint. And if figures like St. Moses the Black can become a saint, then anyone can. And Francis is no different in that respect. But he really appears to have just lost the plot entirely. He was speaking with the Council of European Bishops late last week, and he said, well, he said this, slightly modified for this place's sensibilities, but I think he'll have no trouble understanding me. Quote, Pope Francis to Council of Bishops' Conferences of Europe. To make the church beautiful and welcoming, we need to look to the future, not to restore the past, which unfortunately is a fad. Restoring the past will destroy us. It will destroy everyone. End mostly quote. Instead of the word destroy, he used a word that starts with the letter K. That is a violent word, one that our hosts don't like. But you get the idea. So, two things. First, traditional Catholicism is apparently a fad. Bank back to the boy bands of the 1990s, or the pop-punk rock of the 2000s, or the Marvel films of the past decade, or bell-bottoms, or what have you. Those are all fads, all whims of the moment. So, too, apparently is seeking out the traditional faith, the traditional liturgy, and the traditional sacraments. And that's a whopper of a statement, and he doubles down on it, saying that it will be, well, very bad for everyone if the restoration of tradition is permitted to continue. How in the world that would be the case, I I don't know. Unless he means that it would destroy modernism, and he's right in a way about that, it would destroy the heresy of modernism full stop, though that will inevitably happen during the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which will come sooner than the modernists would probably like. But the other thought is this. How far into the depths of the pits does your thinking have to be to reduce what the faith is and always has been to something of a fad? Francis's error here is pretty obvious, as pointed out by Crisis Magazine and 1Peter5 editor Eric Sammons, who pointed this out on Twitter, quote, I think he knows he's lost the narrative, as all the youthful energy in the church is moving to tradition. It's like listening to an old man on the porch incessantly complaining that young people don't listen to him anymore. Sad. End quote. Pretty much. But that is why he is conflating this restoration of traditional Catholicism and the movement that goes with it into a fad. He is doing so because to him and many other people, anything that younger people are doing is a whim of the moment and will just go away. Like bell-bottoms or hair metal or pet rocks— But he's not noticing something here, or he's choosing to ignore it altogether. Aside from these younger Catholics seeking sanctity and more traditional modes of living that goes with traditional parish communities, he's missing the fact that it is not only 20-somethings and younger who seek out the traditional liturgy. It's older people as well. It's literally anyone in the church who has come to realize that, for whatever reason, the Novus Ordo parishes and liturgies are not helping them attain heaven. And that may sound like a strong statement to make, but I get the emails all the time asking for help finding a traditional mass. And I'll help you too find one if you want. I said it last week in a video and I got at least ten emails that day, and I'm making the offer again here. So if you are watching this on YouTube, the email address is on your screen. If you're watching this elsewhere or listening to this elsewhere, just look in the description box and you'll see the email address there. I'll send you places online that you can go to find a TLM within a reasonable drive if you want if one such does exist. Now, the core error we see on display with Francis and all this, is this. It's not even so much that he has to take the post-conciliar project of modernism and made it clear that the entire post-conciliar project is a break from the past. I mean, anyone who reads what the Church taught before the Council, and what the Vatican II Popes who came before Francis taught, could see that for themselves. Just many chose not to look into it until now. No, what Francis is doing is something more insidious. I've called it the ape of the church, the establishment of that false edifice of a church that pretends to be the church, that calls itself the Catholic Church but isn't. That's what he's doing. Instead, it's something new, something insidious, and Catholic prophecy is a pretty clear running theme for many different mystics throughout the long history of the church, all pointing to the establishment of something that Fulton Sheen called the ape of the church. What the ape of the church will preach is a new gospel, not an interpretation of the gospel, not a new interpretation but a new gospel itself, though it will co-opt the gospel of Christ to promote its new pseudo-gospel message. The only way to create this new gospel and sell to everyone is to eclipse the deposit of the faith, which Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich saw in one of her visions of what is probably our time. The deposit of the faith is tradition. This looking to the past that Francis hates so much, and instead to promote a new gospel, the promoter of it must get the faithful and the world to look to the man holding himself as the source of this new truth. What many don't seem to get, though, is something relatively straightforward. Catholicism cannot truly break from its historic past because its claims of truth and authority are dependent on real things that happened, things that happened in the real world that we can point to through documentary evidence. These are historic events. These are real people who lived at one time. The apostles were actually real people who wrote, who really did write real things for the Bible. And the moral law from which all that sprang, it's all unchanging. These events include the passion and resurrection of our Lord, the institution of the Eucharist at the Last Supper, the proclamation by Christ that Peter is the rock the Church is built upon, the transfer of the office Judas held to St. Matthias, the authority that comes with the apostolic succession all the way to our time. It is what separates the Catholic Church from Protestants, who all have separated themselves from apostolic succession and sacred tradition. Francis is engaging in serious mind games with the faithful. It's a horrific misuse of his presumed office, but then again, we should not be surprised because the whole point of taking the name Francis is that no other pope has ever chosen that name. His choosing that name was a break from the past itself. It was a symbolic act of creating something new out of thin air, a radical new beginning, and even a rupture from the past of the church just by choosing that name. Francis' words and actions are violent by definition. The rupture of the institutions of the Church from its historic past in his reign and the papacy of Paul VI are inseparable from that. Raticelli published a piece by a priest that begins in this way. Now see if this makes any sense to you. Quote, The non-reception of the Second Vatican Council has focused in a concrete way on the refusal of the liturgical reform, even if a certain number of practitioners of the Old Mass affirm their adherence to the quote-unquote well-interpreted conciliar in- intuitions. In any case, the existence of the traditional liturgy is a persistent and even growing phenomenon of non-reception. Marginal? Pope Bergoglio, who wants to be the Pope of the full realization of Vatican II, has come to be convinced that the phenomenon is sufficiently important that he must work to eradicate it, with the consequence that the possibly marginal has certainly become central. The Tridentine Mass is elevated as the evil to be destroyed, the seminaries training priests to say it as cankers to be eliminated, and this is business as usual. So the Mass is once again outlawed, as it was under Paul VI. The letter that accompanies Traditionis Custodis explains unambiguously the ultimate goal of the pontifical text, to ensure a quote-unquote return to unitary form of celebration, the new liturgy. The decision is brutal and peremptory. The Pope decides both the end of the traditional Mass and the end of the traditional world, which he accuses, and only he, of attacking the unity of the Church. End quote. And that's the rub. Francis is protecting the so-called reforms of the Second Vatican Council, which was the culmination of more than a century's work before that of the modernists, who worked from the shadows and fringes of ecclesiastic society, the Teilhard des Chardins and Karl Rahners of the world, in order to promote a real break from the deposit of faith. And no, Vatican II was not inspired by the Holy Ghost. Trust me on this one. You, the Holy Ghost does not inspire clear, breaks of the, clear theological breaks from the history of the Church. It does not inspire people to enthrone in the documents of the church, statements of the church condemned before the council. It just does not do that. But the problem is the laity, apparently. Our forebearers in the faith, and many of you older than I, have clung to our rosaries. That's what some of the problem is here. You went to Mass with the much-maligned SSPX, and later the FSSP and other groups. You kept the old devotions and prayer practices alive, and even read old Preconciliar books on the faith that helped illustrate the break from the past that we are all witnesses to now. There were Catholic publishing houses that continued to publish those books, which quietly were undermining the liturgical reforms. And that bothers Francis to such a degree that he is taking forceful measures against the deposit of the faith that even his forebears didn't take. For as Paul VI admitted once privately, the Latin Mass had never been abrogated, which Benedict would later wisely affirm publicly. Now it has been illicitly abrogated through the classic Thousand Cuts method, with the aim to be to wait out the trads until their parishes are all closed in the next few years, before Francis or his likely successor imposes a formal suppression of all TLMs everywhere— requiring us to return, as he called it, to the only expression of the Roman Rite of the Mass, the Novus Ordo. That's the plan. It's not going to work, though. But it's not only the liturgy he is going after, it's everything that reeks of sweet, of the sweet incense of tradition. I reported yesterday that he mocked young priests who wanted to learn Latin in order to say their Masses more reverently. I saw someone ask this on social media, and I'm going to ask the same question here. Will the liturgy the Byzantine Rite Catholics be next? Or the personal ordinariates erected by Pope Benedict XVI? with a liturgical diversity permitted precisely to promote the unity of the Church. Is he going to go after the Anglican ordinariate? Will he go after the Divine Liturgy of St. Charbel or St. John Chrysostom next? Yes, he was seen participating in the Byzantine Divine Liturgy recently, but at the End of the day, those are traditional liturgies as well, and those who attend those liturgies are often as rigid as your typical Latin mass Not to mention that St. John Chrysostom said some very spicy things in his writings that I'd never be able to get away with presenting here on YouTube at all. It just would never be allowed to happen. How long will those liturgies be tolerated? To paraphrase the thought I saw on social media, the defense of the Mass of the Ages is key to defending the papacy and the unity of the Church. The Mass of the Ages cannot be abrogated, so in defending this Mass from Francis, we are defending the proper exercise of authority within the Church, even by the Pope. Thereby we preserve and defend the unity of the Church, for the Supreme Pontiff is the external visible sign of unity of faith. So here are a couple of thoughts on all this for you to close this out. I've never really lumped myself in with the recognize and resist position, mostly because it has some almost party-like baggage that comes with it, and it doesn't include enough traditional Catholics for my taste. I take a very wide view of who I am willing to work with to preserve the traditions of the faith. But we are standing in opposition to what he and the rest have done, and many ask how a good Catholic can do that. It's a good question that usually comes from an honest place. So I'll show you this. This was shared by Deacon Nick Donnelly on Twitter. Deacon Nick has contributed writings in the past to various Catholic print outlets online. For those who wonder why it is we hammer Francis the way we do constantly, Deacon Nick reminds us of what, of what St. Hilaire Potier said on the matter of defending the truth. Quote, Today, under the pretext of a piety that is false, under the deceptive appearance of preaching the gospel, some people are trying to deny the Lord Jesus. I speak the truth so that the cause of the confusion that we are suffering may be known to all. I cannot keep silent. End quote. And neither can I. In fact, I'm leaving you with some words from not only one of the great saints of the church, but from pretty much the only bishop in the church today that I trust as well, Bishop Athanasius from Kazakhstan, who in 2017 spoke of the grave failure of the bishops to correct Francis. Think about what he says here and how it can be applied to your life. Quote, When the Pope is himself tolerating a wide dissemination of obvious errors of faith and of grave misuses of the sacraments, like the admittance of unrepentant public sinners to the sacraments, The bishops should not behave themselves like servile employees wrapping themselves in silence. Such an attitude would demonstrate indifference towards the grave responsibility of the Petrine ministry and would contradict the very collegial nature of the episcopacy and the authentic love for the successor of Peter. Numerous saints in the past have said that wicked prelates and even wicked popes who preach heresy must be resisted, but we must do so while praying for them for their interior conversion. And that's hard for a lot of people to do, I know, but Christ said to pray even for, for our enemies. So you should be able to pray for their souls as well. Not their works, not their programs, not their goals, but for their souls. So please do so. And pray for me as well, because I know I need it. But let me know what, you're th- what you thought of this in the comments, please. Will a restoration of tradition, a going backwards, as Francis the Unifier called it, will that result in the destruction of everything? <laughs> let me know your thoughts in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.